Romans chapter 11. Let me read four verses to you that I hope will give you pleasure just to hear them. Though we always want more than the sound of verses, we want their sense. The sense here is not difficult. They're the last four verses of Romans chapter 11. Let me remind you that Romans has one great division in it, and that is separating the first 11 chapters from the last five chapters. The first 11 chapters are a presentation of salvation and the mercies of God in saving elect sinners all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 11. Then chapters 12 through 16 are the application of that doctrine and how we ought to live for him who loved us and gave himself for us. But here at the end of Romans 11, Paul is overcome with the thought of God's redeeming grace and the choices that God made in Israel to blind the majority of the nation, show the truth to some elect, but even to some of those elect, not to show them the truth in order to move the gospel toward us Gentiles. So that in the end, all the elect of God will be saved and his blessings will be upon them all. And we have these words, Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen Amen and amen. By looking into the first couple of verses of chapter 12, You can see, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. An 11-chapter presentation, dissertation on the mercies of God should move us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service in light of what he's done for us. Of him, through him, to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Let this church always give glory to God. And let us do our best to keep ourselves out of receiving glory. Let's give all the glory to him. And let's be overcome by his mercies, as Paul was in that 33rd verse, with those two exclamation points, Oh, the depth of the riches, and how unsearchable are his judgments. And we're going to see them in Isaiah 6. Let us pray. Holy Father, of thee, through thee, and to thee are all things, and all glory belongs to thee and to the Lamb that sits upon the throne at thy right hand. We thank thee, Lord of glory, King of nations, creator of the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that in them is, our Father in heaven. We worship thee. We thank thee for thy saving grace. If it were not for thy mercy, 
in electing us, we must say with the prophet, we should have been likened to Sodom and likened to Gomorrah. For, O Lord, we have sinned against greater light, greater conviction, and greater conscience than the inhabitants of the cities of the plain of Jordan ever had. O Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us and bless us. You already have, but we ask for more. We ask for practical mercy today that you will draw nigh to us by thy Spirit and speak to our souls our minds, our hearts, and that you will lift us up by your mighty power, that you will forgive us our sins, that you will forgive us our sinfulness, our perpetual sinfulness while we are in these flesh bodies. We pray that you would forgive us and have mercy by your faithfulness and your justice because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. We thank Thee, Lord of glory, that we do not need to only see the symbolic representation of forgiveness in a live coal from the altar of God, but that we have the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to wash our sins away, and that our sins are as far away from us and from Thee as the east is from the west. Now, Heavenly Father, We want to see a vision of thee today. We want to see what Isaiah saw, and we want to see more than Isaiah saw. And we want you to make it real to us. We want you to change us. We want you to convict us. We want to cry out about our woe in thy holy presence. But we want to hear your order for our sins to be covered and our iniquity purged. And Heavenly Father, we want to hear you call upon us. We want to hear you ask, who will go for us? And whom shall I send? Here we are, Lord. Send us. We are not so foolish as the vast majority of those that read the passage in Isaiah to think that you are calling for missionaries. You are calling for us to be faithful in every part of our lives. And so let us hear the call today. And let us make up the hedge and stand in the gap for our families, for our church, and for this wicked nation. We are so blessed to be here. And Heavenly Father, though we tremble, we rejoice with fear. And we do love Thee. And we thank Thee for first loving us. And we thank Thee for choosing us in Christ Jesus before the world began, that we should be holy. That we should be holy and without blame before Thee in love. Thank You for loving us. Help us now to love Thee. But let us see Thee. Moses begged to see Thy glory, and You showed him Your back parts. We beg to see your glory. Show us as much as we can bear. Glorify thyself to us and through us, and we shall glorify thee in every way you show us. And it's in Jesus' glorious name that we pray and ask this blessing. And he died. He died 
that we might know thee, the only true and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. In his name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your red hymnals, please, and open them to 295, which our brother will lead us in shortly. But before we sing it, let me share a few of its words with you. In the first verse and the first line, the Lamb upon his throne. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. So remember that when you sing that line. The second line of the first verse, Hark! How the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Music is for the glory of God. This song tore me to shreds last night. And yes, I listened to it every way that YouTube could offer it to me. And I wanted to send them all to you and have you vote. Because that'd make you listen to them all. It's a wonderful song. Amen. The third line of the first verse. Awake! my soul, and sing. We get dull. We die. We go to sleep. So that Paul would have to write in Ephesians chapter 5, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. That's not getting saved. That's getting saved again. That's getting renewed again and revived again. So that's the first verse. In the second verse, the third line, no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight. So with two wings, those seraphims covered their faces to avoid looking upon the glory and holiness of Almighty God. In the third verse, the second line, this Lord of peace that we worship, whose power a scepter sways, that's in line one. I'm going for line two. From pole to pole that wars may cease, absorbed in prayer and praise. He's taken us warmonger Gentiles and put us together, together in a church where prayer and praise is our practice rather than fighting and warring. And this is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter two, where it says they shall learn war no more and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. In the second line of the fourth verse, my God is ineffably sublime. Amen. He is ineffable. I cannot tell you. It is called the unspeakable gift. Ineffable means you can't say it. You can't describe it. You can't define it. It's beyond human ability. The unspeakable gift that God's given. Okay. I hope that's not distracting. I hope that as you sing it. Now my last request is, and the post of the door shook at the voice of him that spoke. Do some shaking. He's worthy of us singing this as loudly as we can. <laughs> 